The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome to all of you that are here. Welcome to all of you who are online. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you this morning. This is our second week in our series, Following Jesus, the Gospel of Mark. And today our text will be from Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. Mark says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Let's pray. Father, as always, we come to you with thanksgiving for your word. It is truly a gift to us. And we receive it as just that, as a gift. God, we pray for ears to hear this morning, for hearts to follow, and for lives that will obey. And God, I pray for the gift of preaching. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good news changes things. We've talked a little bit about this at the Springs That good news actually changes something. When you get that word that you're expecting a child, it changes things for you. It's a gift and it changes your world. My wife, as you know, is a nurse and she uh, oftentimes works at Integris in uh, the, the recovery unit for transplant patients. And I can't tell you how much it is good news that someone who is waiting on a transplant, an organ transplant, their life is in jeopardy, it is hanging on the line, and when they get that call that there is a matching donor and that someone has donated a vital organ that they need, that is good news. It literally saves that person. But one of the things that happens as you receive that good news, this gift that you don't do anything to deserve, that you just, you needed a transplant, you needed an organ transplant, and you got the news and received this news, which is a gift. You didn't do anything for it. But after they give you that good news, they're going to say this. But once you receive that transplant, there's going to be some things that need to change. You're going to need to be on some medicine that will allow your body not to reject that organ. There's going to probably be some uh, habits that you're going to need to change in your life. There's probably going to be uh, some dietary changes that need to happen. And some of those changes can be pretty radical for people. But when we receive good news, which is a total gift... Oftentimes, it means that life is going to change. 
I often ask people, what is the good news? I often ask people, uh, students in my evangelism and discipleship class, I say, what is the good news? And they often give me responses varying from, uh, God loves us. That's good news. And I say, yeah, that's great news. It's very good news. But inevitably, someone will say something like this. The good news is that Jesus died for our sins so that we can spend eternity with him. In fact, we affirm that this morning in the songs that we sang. And that is good news. But then I go on to ask this question. But what's the good news according to Jesus? And most students are perplexed. I think that Jesus died for our sins. No, wait, Jesus, he didn't say that. Well, the love of God is good news, and while Jesus did die for our sins, that is good news. What's the good news that Jesus proclaims? In fact, for most of us, if we haven't been paying much attention, like me, most of my life growing up, I heard that the good news was that Jesus did die for my sins, and that is good news. I never heard anyone talk about Jesus proclaiming good news. And then I really read Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. For it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. That the good news, according to Jesus, is that the kingdom of God has come near. Now, if you're like me, when I read this, especially when I come to this realization that this is the gospel that Jesus proclaims, that Jesus goes around, in fact, a version of this in all four gospels, but in Mark, he says, this is the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. If you're like me, the first time I realized this, I'm like, what? Okay, what does that mean? How is that good news? And we can begin by saying, what is the kingdom of God? But Here's the thing, we don't use that language that much in the real world. I mean, yeah, we talk about the United Kingdom, or we might talk about the Magic Kingdom, but we don't use this word kingdom that much. But let's go to a word that we do often use, this word near. Now, near could mean one of two things. The first thing it can mean is near in time, like something is near, that it's going to be coming soon. And so, what might be coming near that's good news? And sometimes people have responded to me, well, it's the death of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, that he, that he is his kingdom, that he reigns over sin, and he, he is reign of forgiveness. Others say, no, it, maybe it's his resurrection that is coming, that he reigns over death. And I want to say, yeah, those are, those are two things that are, at least in the Gospel of Mark, are coming. They're near. How this word kingdom has often been interpreted throughout history, and for some of us, we've grown up with this way of thinking as well, is that the kingdom or the language of kingdom has been associated with the word church, right? So 
And this comes to us through a long history. So you have this word kingdom. And in Greek, it's this word basilia, which means kingdom. And if you think about it or listen to that word, it sounds very much like a word that is used for a really big church in Rome. Anybody can think of what it is? A basilica, St. Peter's Basilica. So not to blame anybody for this, because many Christians have thought this way, that they associated the term kingdom with church. And so listen to Jesus' proclamation if we take this word to mean church. Jesus says, he goes around proclaiming the good news of God, and he says, the time has come. Here's the good news. The church is almost here. Now, I love the church. I particularly love this church. But if we're completely honest, and unfortunately, when we are completely honest, the church has not always been good news in people's lives. Now, the church is good news in lots of people's lives. But if you're around people for very long, which is what the church is made up of, people, the church is not always going to be good news. It's just not. And while we strive to embody that good news, and I think we do it well often, we're not always good news. So this language of kingdom and church it can't go together. Now, the church is part of the kingdom of God, but it is not the kingdom of God. But the second thing this word near could mean is if, it, if in the first instance it's in time, a second way we can understand this word near is in terms of space. Right? That something is close at hand. It's near to you and I. In fact, some translations say this. It says, uh, Jesus went, went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He says, the time has come. He says that the kingdom of God is at hand. Which gives you this picture that if, the, if something is at hand, what can you do? If I say, this table is at hand, I can reach out and I can touch it. So, if Jesus shows up in Galilee and he's proclaiming the gospel, this is what he's saying. He's saying the time has come. The kingdom of God is standing right in front of you. You can reach out and you can touch it. In other words, the good news according to Jesus is that the reign of God has shown up in the world in Jesus Christ. This is good news. And the only appropriate responses that Jesus says is to repent and believe. Now, to give you a, a picture of what this scene is like, I've got I've to tell you Kind of a cheesy story, if you'll allow me. Anybody seen a Western, good Western movie? My grandfather used to watch 
all those good old Western movies. And while Western movies are, are, are more complex and uh, deeper and have different plot lines than this, this is what I imagine like a good Western movie consisting of. It has some of the op- opening scenes of the movie to where this, there's this town, right, that's in the West with dirt roads and it has, you know, the, the, the sidewalks that are made of wood. And you kind of have this main road with troughs for horses. And there's always a saloon. It can't be a Western movie unless there's a good saloon, right? And of course, in the saloon, th- there's a piano playing and there's a bartender serving drinks. And in this scene... The bandits and the outlaws have run amok of the whole town. Does this sound familiar? So the piano player is trying to do his best to entertain while there's fights breaking out. There's beer being sloshed everywhere. People are pulling out their pistols. The bartender's just trying to appease. The waiter's trying to clean up and not get hit when somebody breaks a bottle over someone else's head. It's just chaos. It's mayhem. And the outlaws have basically overtaken the town. And they are running things like outlaws do, like bandits do. And people in this town are just trying to survive. But inevitably, in one of these scenes, what happens is, is that it breaks from the saloon where the music and the bar fights and the chaos is happening, and it cuts to outside on the wooden sidewalk. And it just shows cowboy boots walking along with the spurs, ka-ching, ka-ching, walking down the wooden sidewalk. And then eventually, the saloon doors burst open in this dramatic fashion. And the music stops, and the fighting stops, and everybody turns and looks at the door, and they see this silhouette, and the person that walks through walks a couple of steps in, and all you see is this silhouette, and then it pans on on his face, and his hat is down, and then he slowly lifts his hat, and he says this, there's a new sheriff in town. I know that's a super cheesy way to explain. But this is the scene in the Gospel of Mark. Bandits and outlaws, evil spirits and sickness and death and people have been running amok of God's good creation. And people are just trying to live according to the world in which the bandits rule just trying to appease, just trying to make their way. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he begins proclaiming good news and this is what he says. The time has come. There's a new sheriff in town. The reign of God is standing right in front of you. So everyone in this town has a choice at this point. The choice is this. Do they really believe that this new sheriff is going to change things? And if they believe and they hedge their bets on this new sheriff, 
then they need to begin to live differently. Because when the sheriff shows up, everything changes. No longer do you live in a world according to the bandits and the outlaws, according to people and evil spirits and sickness and death, but everything changes. And if you believe that everything changes when the reign of God shows up in the world, then you must change. What's interesting about this story is that it just doesn't end really in verse 15. Because not only does Jesus proclaim the good news, Jesus is a person of action. He actually immediately goes on and begins changing things. He not only proclaims the good news of God, he demonstrates it. So in verse 16, it says this, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Then he says, at once they left their nets and followed him. And when they had gone a little bit further, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, they saw him in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and they followed him. What's interesting is that right after Jesus proclaims that the reign of God is standing right in front of you, and he says, repent and believe, then he goes on and he demonstrates that he begins changing things. I mean, just like that, he goes and he calls Peter and Andrew, and they follow. He demonstrates his reign in the world is that God, Jesus, reigns over people. They didn't sit there and delay and wonder, should I do this? Mark doesn't give any impression that there was any hesitation. Which maybe could teach us something about following Jesus, but I think what Mark is emphasizing here is not so much that their, their decision-making process is that when the reign of God shows up, he reigns over people. This is more of a demonstration of Jesus' reign, not of the disciples' deliberation. But then he goes on in Mark 1, 21 through 28. It says, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. And just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus sternly said. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority, and he gave orders to the evil spirits, and they obeyed him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole 
region. If you remember last week, we talked about that the response of people is typically this. What is this? They're astonished. They're amazed. They're in fear. And not only does Jesus go around proclaiming the good news of God, that the reign of God is standing right in front of you. There's a new sheriff in town. He immediately goes out. He begins changing things. Not only does he reign over people, but Jesus reigns over evil. Then he goes and he demonstrates a little bit further. In Mark 1, 29 through 31, it says, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told her, told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Jesus goes around proclaiming the reign of God in the world. And then he begins changing things. He reigns over people. He reigns over evil. And finally, he reigns over sickness and death. But it doesn't end there. Mark moves really, really fast. For those of you that have read it, he moves really fast. And so then immediately after that, in verse 32, it says this, that that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Now listen to this. The whole town gathered at his door. So at the beginning of the day, he shows up and he says, the reign of God is standing right in front of you. Change and believe. And then he goes and calls people and demonstrates that he reigns over people. By the end of the day, everyone in town, every single person in that town is at the feet of Jesus, gathered around him. And Jesus healed many with varying, various diseases. Not only is the whole town gathered around him, he's healing everyone that's sick and dying. And he also drove out many demons that every evil spirit in that town he reigns over. Jesus proclaims there's a new sheriff in town. And then he goes and demonstrates his reign over people, over evil spirits, over sickness and death. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. The reign of God in the world is good news. When Jesus shows up in the world, this is good news. It's good news because it means we've been saved from the bandits and the outlaws, from evil, from sickness, from death, from all of those people that attempt to reign over our lives in ways that don't give life. This is good news. When Jesus shows up and announces, the reign of God is standing right in front of you. That is good news. There's a new sheriff in town. So Jesus asks you, do you believe it? Even though it appears that all the bandits still rule the world, even though that it appears that evil and sickness and death rule the world, 
And that order to survive, that you need to play by their rules, live by their ways. Do you believe there is a new reign in town? This takes faith. Because it doesn't always appear that Jesus reigns in the world. But if you do believe, and I'm looking out throughout this room and I see people that believe. And so the question to you is this, if you believe, then everything must change. Good news changes things. Like when you receive the good news of a child, it changes things. If you've known anybody waiting for that life-giving transplant, when they get that call, also changes your life. It changes the way you are to act and behave in the world, the way you're to think about the world, the way you're to interact with others. It changes everything. So Jesus comes to us today and he proclaims the gospel of God. He says the time has come reign of God is standing right in front of you. So the question for you and I is this. Are you ready to